And now, mind, body, health, and politics. and welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. Stay tuned for this interview and find out how two young men with no filmmaking experience whatsoever, no film contacts, no money, came to promise their father before he died that they would write, produce, direct, and act in a major motion picture with four-time Academy Award-winning uh, Mike Harris, Ed Harris, I beg your pardon, uh, playing their father, and they pulled it off. Find out what lessons they learned from him, from their experiences, and what they can tell others who are children of alcoholics. And well, I've got one of the identical twins, first-time filmmakers from Northern California. They're going to talk about their film. Actually, it's Logan who's going to talk about the film, which he and his identical twin brother wrote, produced, directed, and acted in along with four-time Academy Award winner Ed Harris. Did I get all that information right? Did you, really, did you guys really do all of that? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We had a, a really great team of people that, that helped us make the movie, but uh, we wore those hats that, that you just said. How did you start out to even have the nerve, having no experience whatsoever? How did this thing come about? Well, um, we, we made a promise to our father that, that we would tell his story. Um, the, the, it's a Touching Homes autobiographical movie. It's, a, it's about us and our father. And we had written the, the screenplay um, several years before we actually ended up making it. And our, our dad, he was homeless at the time, and he was in and out of jail quite a bit. And we wanted to tell a story. And we, um, when, when, he, when he passed away, we just made a promise to him that we were going we to make Touching Home as a dedication to him. How old were you when you wrote the movie? Jeez, I think we were oh, uh, mid twenties. Just that, just after uh, we had played baseball all our lives and come on out and crash on my floor and figure out what you want to do with your lives. So, uh, so we went and crashed on his floor much longer than he had expected, and uh, then we uh, we started writing the screenplay. We were in Arizona. Uh, and trying out for a bunch of baseball teams, and, and we, we couldn't get hired by any of the major league clubs. And so we were coming you know, to the realization that maybe baseball wasn't going to work out for us. And a, a buddy of ours was living in Los Angeles at the time, and he said, hey, why don't you guys come and crash on my floor and figure out what you want to do with your life? Okay, I understand. So, you, you crashed on a friend's floor in Los Angeles. Yeah, Okay. Exactly. And then? Uh, and then uh, we had... You know, we we had to figure out, you know, well, what's the what's the next what's our next the next thing we're going to do, you know, in our lives. And baseball had been our first love, and that was that was what we had dreamt about. Um, we dreamt about being baseball players all our lives, but now, you know, there was no more baseball. And so we had always loved movies, and uh, we had a lot of you know pain and frustration with uh, with our father. Our father was, you know, alcoholic, and he was homeless for the last 15 years of his life. And he actually ended up passing away in jail. We uh, we wanted to just kind of express uh, a lot of that, a lot of those those emotions that we had, and so we decided to uh, to to write a movie about it. 
and but we'd never written a screenplay before, so we bought a book on how to how, how to write screenplays, and uh, we read it and made sense, and then we started writing. So you <laughs> you you bought a book on how to write a screenplay and started writing this story about your life growing up with your dad or without your dad. Did you grow up with your mom? Yeah, we have a, we have a wonderful mother um, who's you know provided a lot of the uh, a lot of the stability. Um, our, our dad was our dad was a beautiful man when he when he wasn't drinking, but well, when he when he drank, he was he wasn't somebody that you wanted to be around. When you were growing up, how old were you when your dad left, or did he leave, or how did that come about? Um, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what you know the sort of circumstances were, but um, our parents were divorced when we were 11 months old, so I, I, I don't, I don't oh. remember them ever being together. Your dad was gone all of your your life, or at least not right in the house with you. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, I know it was his, it was his drinking that that led to to the divorce. So, um, you know, we were something we were always is is you know alcoholism was something that we were always always aware of. It was just something that, um, as long as we'd been alive, it was it was a serious issue in his life. Now, did you as you were growing up, did you see him from time to time? Yeah, we used to spend uh, we used to spend the, the weekends with him. And then we would spend the weekdays with our mother, and then there were times when we'd spend, you know, uh, you know, longer intervals with them. Uh, but for the most part, it was pretty much, you know, we'd, we'd see them on the weekends and then spend the, the weekdays with our mother. So. Um, and was he actively drinking during the entire time? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, there were there were a couple. There was some small sort of. Uh, you know, some small sort of instances where he was uh, where he was sober for a, for a little while, but you know, mostly when he would when he would uh, you know go to jail, that's when he would sober up. Uh, towards the end of his life, he started having seizures when he didn't drink. It was uh, it was something that that started to run his life towards uh, towards the end of it. Do you remember the first time you visited him in jail? Uh, I, I'm not. I don't think I remember the. The first time, because we visited him so many times that they started all kind of stacking up on each other in your memory. And it's not—it's not something that you really want to to remember. So, uh, as far as like you know, it's just not a very positive event. So, um, I, I, I can't—I can't recall the the very first time. Is—is—is is, uh, is that something that you uh, wrote about and dealt with in the film, visiting your dad in jail? Oh, we t we touched on it uh, in a, in a couple of scenes, but we never actually shot we never never actually shot any of the scenes in jail. Um, you know, one of the reasons is we we couldn't afford to go back and shoot um, in jail, and and also we had been there so many times visiting him that we just we just decided that you know we're not going to go back to that place. How about if you give you us know, you want give us an overview of uh, of what the movie is about? So the movie's about a nine to twelve month period when we were we were playing baseball in Arizona and and, and I was released from uh, from the minor league team um, and Noah was Noah flunked out of college and we we actually we went back home and worked with our father and tried to save our money to get back down to Arizona for for tryouts and uh, the story and and at the same time try and help our dad get get back on his feet so I mean it's a, but it's ultimately it's a story about. Uh, unconditional love and forgiveness and 
maybe in um, some ways of, you know, redemption, I guess. Unconditional love. What a, what a wonderful thing for you guys to have for your dad, given given what it must have been like. Yeah, I, I think I'm just glad that, that we were able to, uh, to forgive him and, and reconcile um, a lot of the the pain and the anger and the, and the frustration. You know, when we were younger, we didn't understand uh, the disease, and so um, we, would, we tended to get very angry and um, sad whenever we would drink. But as we got older, we started to better understand it and know that it, that it wasn't our fault and that, uh, that, I, that our dad had a terrible disease that, uh, and it ultimately took his life. Is that was that part of your thinking when you were very young that uh, that it was your fault that somehow you had contributed to your dad's drinking? Yeah, sure. You know, as, as a kid, you tend to, to personalize everything. I mean, you don't you don't have the, the tools yet to to sort of I think object, objectively observe uh, certain behaviors, and so you tend to think it's it's a consequence of something that 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 you've done. I think. That is a, a very natural thing for kids to think, but it, it isn't so natural to always come out of it realizing that it's not your fault and and uh, and, and you didn't uh, make it happen. That's really uh, quite something on your part. What what kind of guy was your dad? When he when he wasn't drinking, he was a beautiful man. He was a really hardworking. Um, he he was a roofer, and I mean he worked every day, and that was sort of the uh, kind of, you know, he, he was an enigma to us because here he was, this guy that, that worked every day but, you know, never had, you know, a penny. And uh, he was just, he was tough to figure out. You know, I think we, we, we found out a lot more about him after he died and make, and through making Touching Home than we, uh, than maybe we learned in our entire lives with him. So uh, he had actually, there was, he used to write us from time to time um, and we we stopped reading the letters because most of the time he was drunk and they were disjointed and incoherent and uh, more disturbing than anything. And he had written us a stack of letters from jail shortly before he passed away, and we didn't open them uh, because uh, you know we had just stopped opening his letters. And then uh, after he died, we 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 read the letters and learned quite a bit about our father from those um he had, he had been a, he was a veteran he was a wartime veteran he went to actually went to to korea at the same time as vietnam but you know he said there was still a lot of fighting going on and he, two of his best friends had been killed right in front of him and um and he had never talked about any time at, you know of his time in the military and uh he, he talked about one of the letters was when he had he had tried to kill himself in 2001 and uh, that was something that that we didn't know anything about. So that must have, um, we learned quite a, bit, quite a bit about him. That must have been quite a hard letter to read, the one where he talks about it, a, a suicide yeah, attempt. It, yeah, it was, uh, it was a um, very hard letter to read. Um, but it, it's our dad had lost all his pride, all his self-confidence, and felt like uh, he'd wasted his, his life. And so, I mean, that was one of the reasons that Another one of the reasons that we made the movie is not only that we promised him that we would make it, but also to let him know that that uh, that his life was worth living and, and that 
uh, he was special to us. Even, make- even with all, even with all the, all the flaws. So, you know, we wanted to, to turn the tragedy of his death into something positive. So, by making the film, you gave his life purpose. Well, uh, sure, yeah, I think so. I think it's very. Uh, this is a very common story, and I don't mean that to in any way to trivialize it, but it, so many people are, are touched by alcohol and addiction. Uh, so, and, and, you know, the only thing sort of unique about this story is that it's our story, and so it's slightly different than other people's experiences with, with, uh, with drugs and alcohol, or just, their, just your dreams of, you know, eventually, you know, sometimes your, your, your dreams don't, don't uh, turn out as planned, but you still have to figure out what, you know, what, pick yourself, you know, back up and figure out what you're going to do with your life. So, yeah, if it can, if it can provide uh, some sort of healing for other people, then I think uh, that's probably the most rewarding part about it all. That would be tremendously rewarding. Logan, we're going to take a short break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to KZYX 90.7 FM Philo, KZYZ 91.5 FM Willits and Ukiah and 88.1 FM Fort Bragg, streaming on the web at kzyx.org. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Our guest is Logan Miller. He's an identical twin and first-time filmmaker from Northern California. He's talking about the true story of a major motion picture which he and his brother Noah wrote, produced, directed, and acted in. The movie's called Touching Home. It's starring four-time Academy Award nominee Ed Harris. When does this movie open up on the big screen? Well, we, uh, we opened up this past weekend in three theaters uh, in the Bay Area, one, one in San Rafael and then... Uh, landmark in Barcadero in San Francisco and then the Crest Theater in Sacramento. We'll go out to, to New York May 14th and then work our way um, around the country. It's a, it's a smaller sort of independent release, so it's, it's not going to be in you know a thousand screens right off the bat. But if the movie does well, it could, uh, it could you know reach you know, maybe 30 markets. You got a book, I understand that, about how to write a film. You sit down together, you write your first film, and then what? After we finished the screenplay for Touching Home, which we, it was the first screenplay we wrote, we said, okay, we're never going to write another screenplay. Because it was, it was about the most difficult thing we'd ever done. And so about two weeks later, we started writing another one. <laughs> and so from, uh, and then over the next six years, we, we wrote... Um, 12, 12 other screenplays, so 13 total. And, uh, and then, and Touching Home was, was, uh, was a story about us and our dad. And, and our, our dad had read the screenplay, and he used to always ask us, you know, when are you guys going to make our movie? Because we had essentially shelved the script after, after we wrote it. And we used to always tell him, oh, we're going to make it soon, Dad. Oh, I see. So and, you, you didn't write this and then immediately go out and try to 
raise money and do something with it. You wrote it, showed it to your dad, and then put it on the shelf for quite a few years. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So it, was, uh, it wasn't until our dad's health uh, really started to deteriorate that we, that we you know, really started thinking hard about, about making this movie. And uh, we, were, we were visiting our dad in jail about a month and a half before he passed away. And he, he asked us the same old question as, you know, when are you going to make our movie? And we said, oh, we're going to make it soon, Dad. And he said, well, who's going to play me? He's got to be good looking. And we said, oh, yeah, we're going to get Ed Harris. Ed Harris is going to play you, Dad. And uh, we all started laughing. You know, we were just, we were just joking about it. it was just uh, We were trying to, to lighten a, a really heavy situation. And so our, our dad ended up passed away shortly thereafter, and then we just we made about him that we were going to tell a story. He died in jail? Yeah, that's correct. How old was he? He was 59. Pretty young. Do you know exactly what he died of? Uh, yeah, it was ruptured aorta. Uh-huh. As a result of, uh, of his drinking, so... All, all his, all his, his, his liver was, you know, one of the largest the coroner had ever seen. His kidneys were about to fail. His lungs were black, and his heart was just the, the weakest link. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was a smoker as well as a drinker, huh? Yeah, that's correct. So it's now what six or seven years after you wrote that first movie. You've now written twelve more. You've got thirteen. How are you guys supporting yourselves during this time? Well, we actually wrote a book about the whole adventure behind the making of the movie called Either You're In or You're In The Way. And so that, uh, that provided us with a little bit of money to, to live off over the last uh, year and a half. Either so, You're In or You're In The Way. That's the name of the book. So um, after, our, after our father passed away, we made about him that we were going to we uh, tell his story. We, uh, we received a Panavision New Filmmaker grant. And we went down to Arizona, and we shot uh, for three days with the Colorado Rockies, and we cut together this little two-minute trailer. And then we heard that Ed Harris was coming to be honored at the San Francisco International Film Festival. And we said, okay, we're going to go there, and we're going we're gonna to talk to Ed Harris, and we're going to pitch him on our movie. And so what year, what, up, uh, uh, Logan, what year was this now when you're about to pitch him? Do you recall? When is this? 2006. 2006. Okay, you're going to track down Ed Harris. Tell us what happens next. Okay, so... We went to the Castro Theater where Ed was going to be given an interview. We had uh, our, our trailer was on our laptop, and then we had our script and manila envelope with all our contact information on it. And the, uh, the, the Castro Theater filled up. There's about 1,400 people there. And Ed gave an interview on stage, and then they passed around the microphone to the audience. And we tried to get the, the microphone to see if Ed would talk to us for two minutes afterwards. But... We, we couldn't get the microphone. There was a lot of people that wanted to ask questions, and maybe we looked uh, a little too desperate. <laughs> and so they gave Ed a standing ovation, and, and he he uh, went backstage, and Noah stood up out of his chair, and I said, where are you going? He said, Noah's, Noah's my twin brother. And I said, where are you going? He said, you know, blank this. We're going back to the stage to talk to Mr. Harris. And so I, I followed behind him, and we, uh, we walked down the aisle, and, up onto the stage and started swimming through the curtain after um, after Ed and uh, we had, we bumped into this woman. She tried to kick us out, and then we sort of uh, uh, very ni- nicely, you know, uh, asked her if she would if she would go and get Ed Harris to see if he talked to us. And for some reason, she did, and then uh, we ended up making our way out into the alley with Ed and showed him our the trailer that that we had shot on your computer 
Yeah, on our computer. We actually put our, our laptop on top of this dumpster, this greasy dumpster, and uh, hit play, and Ed started watching the footage. It's just this two-minute trailer, and uh, he thought it, it looked it looked really good. And then he, he ended up taking the script off the dumpster and, uh, and calling us nine days later. What a great story. Is is Noah your older brother? Uh, by seven minutes. Yeah, I had a feeling he was. <laughs> are, are you guys identical or fraternal twins? Identical. You're identical twins. How exciting. We psychologists yeah. love twins, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you did know, but it, it's something we do. It's, uh, it's uh, they're fasc always fascinating. Um, okay, so Ed Harris then calls you nine days later, and, uh, and what does he say? I, I read the script and I like it. Um, when are you guys plan on making this movie? And and we just just uh, arbitrarily threw out. This was this was I believe it was April at the time, and we just just threw out June because you know we wanted to make it sound like we we had a we were organized and that we had a, a, a firm date. But and as soon as we said that, he goes, "Oh, geez, you know, well, I'm shooting the movie then." And, and then. We said, well, oh, you know, June's just a, just a, it's just a month on the calendar. You know, we can shoot whenever, whenever uh, <laughs> you can make it. And so we, uh, we, we ended up, you know, we said, look, we got to get together. Let's have coffee. Let's just, we'll, we'll come on down there and, uh, and have coffee. And so we went on down to Santa Monica. We had coffee with him at Starbucks and, uh, we tried to figure out when he could, he could fit our movie into, into his schedule. And he just was, he was booked for like the next nine months. Uh, and we said, or sorry, the next six months. And we said, Hey, you know, if, uh, he said, I can give you guys two weeks in December, two weeks and, in uh, December, we said, two weeks in December. We said, okay, we'll do it. We'll take two and weeks, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks in December, anytime. Right. You know? So we ended up, uh, Ed gave us two weeks in December and then we had to go out and raise all the money. And that's a, that's another, uh, another crazy story about because we didn't have any money at the time to make the movie and ed didn't know that and we were we were forty five thousand dollars in debt from shooting in arizona to put together that little two-minute trailer we had put it all on our credit cards so um uh, you know then we had to go out and raise the money and uh, logan hold that thought on raising the money i just want to give the phone number here to our listeners in case anybody wants to to give you a call and ask some questions the number here is 707 Nine three seven five one zero three. Again, seven zero seven nine three seven five one zero three. If you want to call in and ask Logan Miller anything you want about how he and his identical twin brother Noah wrote, produced, directed, and acted in a major motion picture. Okay, Logan, you're forty five thousand in debt for making the trailer. You got Ed Harris who's saying he'll give you two weeks in December. You basically have no other money. What do you guys do? Well, we printed up a we printed up a bunch of business plans and then started handing them out to everybody we knew. And we said, "Hey, you know, if you know somebody that'd be interested in investing in a movie, can you please pass this on to them?" And our business plan ended up making its way. Uh, oh, hold on a second! Hold on a second! How did you two guys know how to write a business plan? Well, that's the wonderful thing about the internet. You know, you can you can. Look look up all all uh, all the information you need, and so there was uh, there was a number of of um, movie uh, investment, movie financier um, business plans, and so we just we read a number of them and sort of 
understood the kind of general format of things and then and then went about uh, went about writing it. Fantastic. You go out, you and your brother, your identical twin brother, you go out and get a book on how to write a movie script and you proceed to write 13 movie scripts. Then you go to the Internet and learn how to write a business plan and you start handing out the business plans. Fantastic. What happens when you hand them out? Well, it was a pretty frustrating process uh, it, at the uh, sort of the first month of things. We, we, we were getting a lot of meetings. You know, the, the meetings, pe- people were interested in, you know, sitting down with us, but, but there were very few people that were genuinely interested in, you know, actually putting any money into the movie. And so we were, we were getting, uh, we were quickly coming to, you know, coming to a sort of kind of uh, drop-dead date, you know, where if we had, didn't have the money by, by, you know, a certain date, we were going to have to call off the, uh, call off the movie. And we just uh, we'd come home after a, after a frustrating meeting with a prospective financier who was kind of just uh, just BSing us. And Noah Noah said, you know, I'm going to go and and clean out our our junk email. And I and I went into the kitchen and started cooking for us. And Noah just was, was deleting all the emails. And then there was one that said, Are you still looking for money? Ah. And it said, Yeah, yeah. And it said Brian Bale and nothing else not i'm so-and-so you know and i got your business plan from so-and-so it was just are you still looking for money brian vale and we tracked the uh it was from you know b vale river uh, it was a river west investment and so we uh we called a guy named pete detterding up in sacramento because that's where river west investments was it was up in sacramento and we said hey pete you know do you know this guy named named brian he said oh yeah give him a call he's kind of a big deal up here so we called brian and uh and then sat down with him and just he, he wanted to invest in the movie and we just went through a series of negotiations and ended up getting the financing can you say how much he he came up with in order to get you kicked off well he he underwrote about 90 i think 97 percent of the movie which was that was it was uh for it was a total and then we had two um minority investors pete editing and lance logan and uh, the, the entire investment was, it was right around $2 million. So you put a major motion picture together for $2 million. Nobody got rich off it. At least not yet. So. Not yet. <laughs> now, did you guys learn how to use the camera by reading a book or on the Internet? Or did you read the brochure that came with the camera? How did you, how did you know how to be cinematographers? Fortunately, we had, a, we had a wonderful cinematographer, and we assembled a, a, a really great team. Um, of people, you know, as directors, we didn't need to know how to, you know, load the film into the camera. We had an expert that could do that. We didn't need to know how to focus the camera. We had, a, you know, an expert to take care of that. And, you know, we learned from, from baseball that, uh, you know, about sort of the team aspects of things. And, and so early on in the filmmaking process, we said, look, making a movie, it's just it's team art. So all we have to do is assemble the best team we can and let everybody do their job. And we also said we're going to surround ourselves with gray hair and listen. What about so, with gray hair? You're going to listen to gray-haired old guys, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, hey, they've been through everything we've been through. So uh-huh. uh, we figure we, we might as well rely on their insight and wisdom and uh, and hear what, what they have to say about things. So it was really just us sort of kind of being the managers of this team and then assembling the best team that we could. 
Outstanding. Outstanding. What about when you made the two-minute trailer? How did you know how to do the camera work for that? And, and, and did you edit it, or was it you just shoot two minutes? Tell us a little. This is such an inspiring story. I imagine people who are listening who, who, who aspire to do this kind of thing, you know, this is a dream come true. They want to hear every, every detail. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so we had, a, we had a great cinematographer. We had the same cinematographer as as uh, on the on when we shot the little two minute trailer as we did on the uh, on the entire uh, shoot of the movie. I see. And yeah, and and w- when uh, the guy who edited the two minute trailer wasn't the same editor that we had on the on the uh, on the rest of the movie, but but he did a wonderful job. His name is Pearson Jacklin, and then Robert Dalva, uh, who was nominated for Academy Award for the Black Stallion, he cut Jumanji, Jurassic Park. Uh, I think Hidalgo, uh, October Sky. He was he was our editor. Uh, he edited the movie, so uh, he was he lived locally down in down in Larkspur, uh, in the Bay Area, and he would just come over every morning and, and start cutting the movie. What a great story! I think it's sort of for us. It was you know, as I as I said before, it's just you know, putting a lot of really talented people together helping us realize our, our vision for the movie. So it was, uh, it was, we were really fortunate to get a lot of wonderful people on board. It's, it's a tremendous story, Logan. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a story of, uh, of can do. As I said, it's a story of, of inspiration. It's a story of brothers doing something together uh, which is a dream for many people who have brothers to be able to do something with their very own blood brother. That must be so special for you. Any comments you want to make on what it's like working with a twin brother? Well, I think, uh, you know, it was, uh, we have such, there's such a, our love for each other is what sort of uh, keeps us together and helps, you know, we help each other. We help we help each other. We're a you know we're a team, and and uh, no matter how frustrating things get, or uh, no matter you know how upset with each other we get, the the love that we have for each other is stronger than than all of that. So that's the like that bond that always holds us together. And you know, it's just great to have somebody that that you can work through through things with. And you know that he's always going to have your back, and I'm always going to have his back. And when one of us is having a rough day. You know, the other guy just pulls them, pulls them up. So that's outstanding. I, I imagine if it would be possible to get even closer, making the movie would have brought you guys even closer. If getting closer is possible, it sounds like you're tremendously close to begin with. Yeah, we're you know we we, sh- we share uh, you know everything. So what what if if my money's his money, his money's my money. You know, and uh, I don't know. For us, it's just sort of sharing things is always just it's come it's come naturally i mean we were you know i mean we were in the womb together you know uh, <laughs> we don't remember any of that but but we started out you know together so um we're we're just really fortunate to, to have each other you certainly are was the movie yeah. would you say that the movie was healing for you in terms of the of the material that you carry inside from growing up with your dad being in jail and being an alcoholic and, and the, you know, all the, the tough stuff that you went through, did the movie help, making the movie help you in some way in that regard? Oh, yeah, it was uh, tremendously healing. Um, 
you know, we had felt, I don't want to say, you know, victims isn't the right word, but like that all of this, that we were kind of powerless uh, against a lot of the, you know, things that had happened to us, you know, with our father and frustrated because it felt like there was nothing we could ever do about it. And when he died, you know, making this movie was something that we could do about it and was something that we could turn this, uh, this tragedy into something positive. So it was very healing and helped us sort of get through a lot of things. That's really good to hear. Where are the two of you with regard to some of the things that actually killed your dad? Do you guys drink? Uh, yeah, we drink, but we're very aware of the alcoholism in our family. And so we, uh, we very rarely have more than, you know, more than a drink. And it's not something that we do, you know, daily. It's, uh, it's something that we're very aware of. We used to be terrified of, of having a sip of alcohol because we didn't understand the disease. And, you know, we were, we were afraid that if we had, you know, one sip, we'd, we'd become an alcoholic. But uh, it's something that we keep in check. And, uh, yeah, that's all I can say is we, we, we do it in, in moderation. And what about smoking cigarettes? Where do you guys stand on that? No, no way. No way. Yeah, no way. No, we... We were we were, we're um, we have a pretty strict sort of kind of physical regimen of you know exercise and and smoking and drinking excessively just just uh, ruins any gains that you're trying to make. So no, you still get out and we play. Don't you, do you still have a, a moment here and there to get out and play a little baseball? You know, unfortunately, we haven't played baseball in, in a while. We've been just so busy with uh, with this movie, and then when we wrote wrote the book. We've just been, you know, we just catch a, a quick workout. We work out just about every day, but it, it's, it's, uh, no, we haven't been out in the field playing any catch or hit, hit any balls in a while, so, but we'd like to. On the agenda for the future. You know, I, I guess the interview wouldn't be complete if I didn't ask you for a little gossip about what it's like working with Ed Harris, so why don't you give us a couple of comments on that? I imagine people would like to know. Ed Harris is uh, not only the extraordinary artist, but He's also an extraordinary human being, and he, he took a risk on us uh, when few other people sort of believed in us. And so it's rare to find an actor or anybody in any industry of his stature that, uh, that actually, you know, puts sort of their reputation on the line to help out a couple of guys that, uh, that nobody's ever heard of. So he's really a, a wonderful wonderful man and uh and then an extraordinary artist on top of that he uh he didn't judge our dad you know our dad was somebody that he felt worthy of of playing on screen and so um on paper our dad wasn't the most uh how should i put it maybe likable yeah yeah but but he was a a really beautiful man who just had a terrible affliction and, and had uh showed him the same respect as he would anybody else he was playing. So that was really, uh, really special. He was able to bring out your dad's humanity, huh? Oh, yeah. He, he became our dad. It was, it was, uh, it was amazing to watch. He, he transformed into our father physically, just emotionally, the, how he, his, the, the rhythm in his speaking. I mean, it was, uh, it was amazing. 
Were there any surprises to you when you were making this film with Ed Harris? Anything that just came out of the blue that was just, wow, where'd that come from? What was that like? I mean, there were surprises, you know, every day. But I, I think there was, uh, there were, I think I didn't know how emotional it was going to be. Our dad hadn't even been dead a, a year, and we had suppressed a lot of those emotions in order to make the movie. So our grieving, the grieving process was, uh, we didn't have much of a grieving process. And there was a couple scenes when, Right after the, the camera stopped rolling, I just, you know, me and my brother walked away from the scene and just started crying. And yeah. Uh-huh. I guess that's just out of nowhere. So, yeah. So. Any comments do you want to make to other children of alcoholics who are listening to you? Maybe people young, well, would, younger than yourselves? I would just say, you know, that uh, that's not your fault. And find out as much information as you can about, about alcoholism that help you sort of get through it and find people in your life that uh, that you can trust and rely on So and try and be forgiving if that helps. I think it's a lot easier to forgive somebody than it is to hold in all that resentment and anger. So. Yeah, the holding in the resentment and anger is really poisoning of the self, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Terrible stuff. Logan, I want to thank you very much for taking the time from your from your new Hollywood career to be on our program today. You uh, you had a lot of good stuff to share with us, and uh, as I said before, and I'll say again, your story and your brother's story, it, it's an inspiring story to uh, to those who uh, who think of themselves as as not being able to make it, those who think of themselves as victims. You guys uh, really pulled yourselves up from from out of the ashes, from, from a, a career that wasn't working in baseball and, uh, and took a big leap and, uh, and congratulations to you. And thank you very much for well, being, thank you again for being on the program. Well, thank you. We, we, uh, we really appreciate it. So thank you for having us. You're welcome. For All more, right, take care. Okay. And you take care too and say hello to your brother for me. I will. For more information about, uh, about Logan and, and Noah Miller's compelling film, Touching Home, and, uh, and the Twins' book, Either You're In or You're In the Way, please go to our show website, mindbodyhealthpolitics.org. That's mindbodyhealthpolitics.org. The website also has information about past shows, future shows, and more information about people and topics on the show. Our website, mindbodyhealthpolitics.org, also has some of our shows archived so you can listen to past shows. Again, mindbodyhealthpolitics.org. Org. We're coming to the end of our program, so I want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Mind, Body, Health, and Politics, and remind you that the show is contributed to by our staff at KZYX and Z, and by my friend and engineer, Mike Delora, who wasn't with us today, but my friend and colleague, Jim Tarbell, was doing the engineering, and I thank him, as well as our producer, Ron Rogers. Please join me in exactly two weeks at this time. Until then, this is Dr. Richard Miller reminding you that good health is essential for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And health is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm.